0: John chapter four. John chapter four, we're in the book of John. Cover the first three chapters. We want to just look at a couple things in chapter four and then I'll finish up rewind and come back next week uh, with some other goodies. but this one kind of we've been through John chapter four earlier this year this year and I just want to highlight a couple things for those who may have forgotten as well as, Uh, hopefully bring some things out that we need to know. John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to Samaria, called Sychar, and near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it? that you, a Jew asked for a drink from me a woman of Samaria why would she say that I'm glad you asked that question for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans Jesus answered her if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water we have here in this Chapter, introduction, I was thinking about this this past week. We have many, throughout the book of John, there's a a lot of conversations that go on. We had the conversation back in chapter 2 where uh, Jesus was having a conversation. was dealing with the the wedding there at Cana and his conversation with his mother when the wine ran out and and all the things that he did there. In chapter 3, we have another conversation with Jemus, with Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Jesus tells him he must be. You gotta be, you ought to be, you need to be born again. You gotta be born again. And Nicodemus went into all kind of wild ideas about going to his mother's womb the second time. It had nothing to do with what Jesus was saying at all. Which let me know that many times those of us who think we're spiritually minded, and those that think because Nicodemus was a ruler of the Pharisees, he, he the implication is he was a knowledgeable guy. He was not dumb. In fact, he was one of the major teachers of those Pharisees. He knew his Old Testament, and the Old Testament spoke about the new birth way back in in the book of uh, Ezekiel where he talks about how uh, God would change the hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. But yet, with all of that, Nicodemus missed the point. And I brought out the point last week that how many of us sit in church Sunday after Sunday, year after year, and we miss the point. We miss the point of the service, we miss the point of the passage, we're reading scriptures and we have no clue at all what the passage, we will take passages of scripture and run with stuff that the passage never even said, all because we miss the point. And that's a shame that here you have an individual by the name of Nicodemus who missed the point of all that what Jesus was saying and Jesus had to explain to him what the new birth is, that you must be born again, you have to be born from above. There has to be a work of grace in your and my heart that demands a change, a transformation from old to new. The old-timers didn't know all the theology, didn't know all the correct things to say. But one thing they had right was, I looked at my hands, and my hands were new. I looked at my feet, and they were too. He gave me what? A new way of walking and a new way of talking. They didn't know all the theology, but they understood that if a change happened in their life, they were made new. new. Therefore, if any man what? Be in Christ, he is what? New. A new creature, a new creation. And here in John chapter 4, we have another conversation that Jesus has with a woman from Samaria. And you find out here that uh, in the first few verses here, now when Jesus had learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was Making and baptizing more disciples than John. You had this John, the sect of John the Baptist and now this Jesus that was on the scene. And many of John's followers were getting kind of upset and maybe a little jealous that now there's another group. And John had already told them, look, I must decrease that he, Jesus, might increase. And one of the problems we have, even I think sometimes in churches today, is, you know, we look over just certain churches and we go, why, gosh, they're really growing leaps and bounds. Things, something's happening over there. Why can't that happen over here? There should be no jealousy in the in the ministry of the word. If your church is growing exponentially, leaps and bounds, we ought to be praising God for no other reason. that souls are what? Being saved. So here they were. They were, oh, wait a minute. Those, John the Beth, those little Jesus people the followers so, of gee, they're baptizing more than us. What's going on here, John? Again, they missed what John had told them. I must step back. I must decrease that he who is the Messiah might increase. So, they missed it. They were upset. They were a little, you know, anxious about what was going on. And so, because of that, Jesus left, leaves uh, Judea. He departed again for Galilee. And verse 4 says, here it is, he had to pass through Samaria. Not that it, it doesn't give us the implication that he had to go through Samaria, like a matter of fact. It says he had to go through Samaria. Implication being that Jesus needed to get somehow to Samaria. Now, you understand, we went through this before, the fact that the, uh, the, the uh, Samaritans and the Jews did not mix. Jews would go way out of their way not to go through Samaria. If they, wanted, if, they could, if they had to go anywhere and the, the distance between going through Samaria was less than them going around it, they would pick the other one to go all the way around. If they could save five miles by going through Samaria, they wouldn't do it. They would take 20 miles to go around it just to make it there. Doesn't make sense. Because all it was was they considered the Samaritans not people that they should be associated with. Samaritans were half-breeds, a mixture People that nobody really like to be allowed, like to be around. So, in the eyes of the Jewish quote established people, you know, I'm a Jew. Uh, you know, I am of the house of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I belong to the sophisticated folks of the day. I will not dirty myself by going through Samaria. Oh no! You need to step and bow down at, at my feet before I will ever ever go through Samaria. Jesus is like he, on the altar of his heart. He had to go through Siberia, which means he was on a mission. I put down here a divine appointment. I was sharing with uh, Larry Spielman this past week. Uh, he was trying to fill me in on this uh, hope over heroin. And uh, I said, you know what, brother? And I think I may have shared it a little bit with, on Wednesday night. We were talking. I said, you know why the church doesn't want really to get involved in stuff like this? It's real simple. It's messy. It's messy. We don't like mess. We like our own quaint little world with our own little quaint selves and our own little quaint little churches. We don't want people who don't look like us or dress like us or smell like us. We don't want anybody to come in that has no clue what it means to be in church, walking through our doors, making loud, making sounds, making noises, doing things and like, why, why? Because all somebody's somebody's to say, "What are they here for?" They're here because they're looking for an answer to life's problems. And the problem with the church today is we don't want to get dirty. That's from the pulpit all the way to the door. We want everything nicely, neatly wrapped. We want people, we can talk about, I could, I could preach to them blue in the face about evangelism and witnessing and going out and doing and the bottom line is we don't want to do it because it's messy. Lord, bring us, bring, bring the souls into the church. Okay, that's all right. But do you, not, do you not understand that we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus? There is nothing on the outside world with people who don't come to church. There is nothing about them that would demand that they come to our, to our house of worship. Absolutely nothing. There's no attraction. Why would they be attracted to come to here? Why? Hopefully one answer would be because they see something in you. But if by chance they don't see anything in any of us that will draw them to this house, there's got to be another reason why. And how do we get that message out? Because they're not coming in. How do we get that message out? We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To get the message to the Samaritans, Jesus had to go through Samaria. A place that majority of the, the Jewish people would not go set foot in. Jesus was a Jew by birth. Amen. Amen. Don't get Ben out of shape because he, was he black or was he white? Was he no? He was a Jew. Don't take the passage of Scripture. Here we go, ben it, Turn it the way you wanted to speak about. Well, he had hair as a, as wool and all that. Talking about. Well, that means he was black. No. He didn't say his hair was wool, say it was like it's a simile. Oh okay, Pastor, you don't know. No, no. He was a Jew. Period. No blonde hair, blue eyes, no Afro and Dashiki. He was a Jew. I don't think anybody right say amen. So I'll say it myself. Amen. amen. So Jesus had to. He had to go or pass through Samaria. So he had a divine appointment. Why he had this divine appointment is because there was going to be somebody there that he needed to talk to. Do you ever think that sometimes God puts us in places where we need to be just because somebody needs to talk to you? You're the answer. You're the reason why you're supposed to be there. Because if you and I are available, God will take our opportunity to be at a certain place to say, Oh, And then have you, have you ever had this happen? You're at a place and something comes up and you say something. And then rewinding back later. You go, oh, I know why I needed to be there, because I had to say something, or somebody said something to you. Amen? That's why Jesus' divine appointment was he had to be in Samaria, but also there there was going to be somebody there that he needed to talk to. He had to have a conversation with. Now, I talk talk about the, the conversations of Jesus. A conversation indicates that there was some time spent, what? Talking. A back and forth. If you're conversating with somebody, it's a give and take. They talk to you, you talk back to them. It's a flow going on here. It's not one-sided, but it's two-sided. But with Jesus, Jesus was allowed here. We're not going to get into all of it today. But Jesus allowed her to be able to converse with him, and he was bringing to her the information that she needed. Guess what he says. Why was he there? Verse 7. There was a woman of Samaria. She was doing what she normally does. She came down to this well to draw water. Jesus sees her at the well. It was about 12 o'clock at noon, hottest part of the day. We learn later on in the, in the chapter the reason why she came down. She came by herself. Typically, the women would go down as a group, get the water, you know, put in big, gigantic pitchers. They didn't have water like we have flowing from faucets and stuff. They had to go get it every day. But she's by herself. We learned that later on. Why? Because we also learned that she was a woman of what we would say, Ill repute, that's a nice way of saying it, she had a reputation amongst the people in the city. They knew who she was. Some of the wives of the husbands were like, oh, no, you don't. No, 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 you just keep your your eyes here, brother. (laughs) There was no, Brother Randy, there was no off-the-side conversations with this lady. Because if you did, if you were married, you got in trouble. And if you weren't married, you still got in trouble. That's the kind of woman she was. So she's there, and Jesus, who knows all about us. I'm so happy Jesus knows all about me. Now, some of you think you know me, but you don't know me like Jesus knows me. And some of you don't even know me at all. You think you do, but you really don't, which probably is a good thing because sometimes being a pastor, you think, I got him figured out. I know where he's going. And then I do something, and you go, oh, did you? I was telling somebody the other day, some people look at me and go, why do you make some of the God-awful decisions and say some of the, the God-awful things that you do? Because I'm not you. Amen. And even though you might think you know all what's going on, you don't know as much as you think you know what's going on. And yes, I, like you, am human. And sometimes I shoot myself in the foot. But if I was perfect like you all, I wouldn't have that problem. But since I'm not perfect like you all, I have that problem. <laughs> I'm just seeing if you're awake. He had to be there because this woman of Samaria was there. And he tells her, he asks her a simple question. Give me a drink. Now, out of that, you would think that's a silly, really simple thing. Give me a drink. But here she goes. She, she she starts this off. And the reason why he said, ask her, because his disciples had left to go buy food. Y'all go about your business, go out and so. Here you got a Jew and a Samaritan. That's a no-no. You got a man and a woman. That's a no-no. In that culture, in that day, no. Not only was it on racial lines, but it was also just the fact of male, female. No, you don't need to be alone with a woman because and number one with her reputation, you definitely don't want to be alone with her because everybody's gonna be thinking that you're doing something that you're not really doing. It was funny, this past week I was I had my for the third time. The third time, I'm going to put my, I'm going to be like some of you, I'm going to go on Instagram, Facebook, or something and ask the question, does anybody have a Chrysler town in country that's having a problem with their regulator in their window on the driver's side? Because for the third time, third time, sister, third time, my wife went to put down the window, I heard that sound. It was not good. And the window just slowly sank into my door. So I took it out to get it fixed. The guy calls me Friday morning, your car's ready. I was over here at the church, and I asked Sister Robin, hi, Robin. I said, Robin, she said, well, I'll take you out there, Pastor. I said, okay, cool. David was working. They were doing their construction, and we started cutting grass and stuff. She said, I'll take you out there. I'll take you up, pick, pick up your van and take you back home. So we're driving out, and we get up put the next street up here, the street in turn. I said, well, Robin, this will be interesting. She said, why is that, Pastor? I said, Oh, because it's me and you're in this car together by ourselves and people are gonna say, Hey, Robin, we saw you in the car with a black guy. Who was that? Because <laughs> I already told her that when she was in the car with David. So I said, Well, the probably say, Well, he's a darker darker version of the other guy. <laughs> and so so we're driving along and and I said, yeah. I said, well, you know, people have really been out of shape about this stuff. I mean, you know, they get all t- twisted and tied up. And I said, well, then you can just tell them, well, yeah, I was in a car with a black guy. It was the brother of the other guy I was in the car with. That gives them a whole other thing to talk about. There you go, sis. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I understand the principle. But we need to be very careful that we don't allow the devil to tie us up of not being able to do things. I mean, you, you're going to think what you're going to think, no matter if, if I do or don't. Now, I will admit that probably doing it may put more heat on me than not, but hey, I'm used to heat. I've had heat all my life. So we know, and God knows. So if you've got problems with it, see me after church. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, life goes on. I had to get my car, because I can't drive Sydney's car everywhere, so she was willing to help me out. Somebody comes to me, Pastor, I I don't think you should do that. So you know what I'm going to tell you if you tell me that? Next time I need a ride, I'm calling you up. From your job, from your house, from wherever you live at. Hey, I need a ride over to pick up. Well, Pastor, I'll be be there to see. No, I don't need to see. I need now. He had to go because this woman was there. He asked her to give her a drink of water, and and she says, wait a minute. How is it that you, a Jew, asked me, a woman of Samaria, to give me, to give you a drink? You understand this. Jews don't have any dealings with Samaritans. Y'all don't deal. Y'all will go way around the city of Samaria before you even come to it. Why are you asking me, of all people, to give you a drink of water? I like what Jesus says here. Jesus says, if you really knew, if you knew, if you understood, if you could grasp who is actually talking to you at this moment, If you were able to comprehend, not know in a sense of experiential, but know for a matter of fact. If you knew the gift of God, the gift of God, and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Woman, do you understand, if you just understood who's talking to you right now? I'm not just an ordinary Jew. I'm not just an ordinary man. I am the Son of God. The whole book of John is about John telling us who Christ is. He is. The whole book from chapter 1 to the end is about knowing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The miracles that he did, the things that he said. John says, I'm trying to show you that Jesus is The son of God. And he tells this woman, by the way, do you not understand who it is? If you just knew. I'm stopping there because that's stuck in my crawl this whole week. Because you know why it's stuck in my crawl? Because I'm going to say the same thing to you that he said to the woman. If you, wherever you are in life today, if you just knew who it is that is talking to you whether it be at your bedside or you're sitting in your lounging chair or you come on a Sunday morning and you hear the word of God, if you just knew who it is, the gift of God. Guess what? A gift is something that's given to you that you don't have to work for. I heard Dr. Stanley talk about this morning. He said you're dealing with that verse that deals with um, work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. He says, you know what? People take that passage wrongly. He didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out. You can't work for your salvation. It's glad that you come to church. It's glad that you give your money. It's glad that you do whatever it is you do. But that work will not save you. What saves you is what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. I don't do what I do. I don't preach because I'm trying to work my way into heaven. I preach because God has placed a call on my life. Like all the other prophets before in the Old Testament and and, and preachers of today, when God puts a call upon a man, a woman, boy, a girl, you've got to do what God wants you to do. And if you don't, you'll be a most miserable person. Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, he would have given you living water. We live in a world that people have no hope. I don't care where you live at. I was talking to a person this day, the other day, and they were telling me about their nice new house, and it's big, and it's got this and that, and they're going to have to add on a room and do this and all this. I said, so, man, that's just wonderful. I tell them, you guys, you, you, you people tickle me. They talk about we're downsizing. My wife likes to watch all those shows on TV that deals with all the house making and stuff. Guys got five bathrooms, eight bedrooms, and all this. Other. We're downsizing. okay? Downsizing is living in a house like I live in. With a bathroom about the size of this corner here, you know? And, uh, well uh, you know, that's, 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 that's downsizing. So to go from five to, to four is not a big downsize. To go from five bedrooms to four bedrooms, you know, we have 3,500 square feet, 3,500 square feet, or 4,000 square feet. We're downsizing. Well, OK, What do you got now? 3,500? That's not downsizing. It. All the things that make up our life is what, with with all the nicety things that, I don't care where you live at, we need to understand that Jesus is saying, if you just knew the gift of God and who it is, He will give you living water. Do you want living water? Do you really? I don't know if we really do. I'm a firm believer that we need to be careful what we ask from God. Lord, give me, like this one, more patience. Well, God has a sense of humor. You ask for patience, sort of like Toyota. You ask for it, you got it, Toyota. You ask for patience, you got it. Now, all of a sudden in your life, everything slows down, everything that will cause you to have to wait, everything that causes you frustration in your life. You ask for patience. Your kids, your husband, your wife, your, your job, your people. You're driving to work, and you got delays here. You got delays there. You come home. You waiting. You, what's my, where's my dinner? Well, your dinner's not ready because she's busy like you. And now you're frustrated. You're upset. All that, all that because you ask God for patience. You ask God for living water. That supposes that we're willing to be living water. What He gives to us is life, and life what more abundant. there's no reason no good reason that we as believers in Christ should walk around here with our heads bowed down to old mother earth when he said look up into the hills for which he said look up not look down my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus name my hope my determination is not placed in you And you shouldn't place it in me. Why? Because I'll let you down. I will tell you as sure as I'm standing right here, right now, will I disappoint you? The answer is yes. Will I make you upset? Yes. Will I do things that you don't like? The answer to all those questions is yes. But guess what? It's reciprocal. As I do to you, you do to me. Well, pastor, we never disappointed you. Look how we, we, we do for you. Well, no, no, that, I ain't talking about the things. That, no, there's other things that you do that irritate the pastor. Let's go. Well, I don't know why we need to go. <laughs> God didn't give you the the, the the vision. He just says, "Follow He who has the vision." Maybe the, maybe the real question is, you don't believe I have the vision, or you don't like my leadership cool, now we know that, now we move forward, amen, I mean, it's pretty simple, Moses said, let's pack up and go, did, did the word people say, well, Moses, no, they were ready to get out of there, in fact, they had people who didn't, were even, even Jewish people, follow after them out of, the, out of the nation of Egypt, now when they got out there, they get started murmuring, because they got tired of eating the same old leftovers, what, what? Having, are we having chicken again? Are you kidding me? We've had it fried. We've had it baked. We've had it on the grill. What? Spaghetti? Lasagna? That's all the same stuff. Are you serious? Mom, what's for dinner? Mom's racking her head. What can I serve that's different? If I do anything too different, they won't eat it. I saw this great recipe on, on, the, on, the, on TV. What is that? I don't know what it is. What is that? We are a messed up people. And the fact that we're messed up is because Jesus is trying to get her to see her condition was beyond just the water. Her condition was she needed not just water, H2O. She needed living water. And my challenge to all of you today is you and I need living water. We need to go to that well that what? Never, ever runs dry. Have I run dry? Yes. Have you run dry? In case you think you haven't, I'll answer the question for you. Yes, you have. But we need Jesus, who is the living water. And he says, if you just knew. My question to all of you today is, do you know the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you that he will be that? living water? If you don't, today would be the best day of your life to say, I want to know about that living water, Pastor. In case you've never been thirsty. Anybody ever been real thirsty? Anybody? I mean, you've been out there doing whatever, and You you're like I, I need something to drink. not the right thing to drink. <laughs> you know. I get myself in trouble, but yes, the right thing to drink. They say the best thing to drink is water. Now, I know some of you, you know, you like the suds and all that other, you know, you get, you know, well, Pastor, you know, a uh, hot day, to come home from work. I, you know, I'm going to pop a cold one here. I ain't going to say yay or nay. I'm just going to leave that between you and God. But uh, sometimes, I remember when I worked at UPS, it'd be so hot, I'd have my therapist filled with water. I pour it on my head and pour it down my shirt and drink water. Because, really, honestly, nothing satisfies like good old water. We're out here cutting grass and it's dusty now. I'm like, I need some water. Take one to David. And we get. And just, ah. just think about going ah, for Jesus, because he what satisfies? Does he not? Can you say that for yourself that Jesus satisfies? I can speak for myself. He satisfies. Father, we thank you for your word that you truly satisfy. You asked a simple question give me a drink, and then you followed up. Hopefully, that she will respond because you asked her about not just physical water, but that living water. But today, Father God, there's somebody here, whether they're saved or unsaved, they need to know that you will be that living water in their life. If we just knew, if we just comprehended who it is that speaks to the altar of our heart, we would be willing to be that man, woman, boy, or girl that makes a difference in this world today. Touch, bless, lead, and guide. And we thank you for what you are going to do this oncoming week because we have a divine appointment with you and that you're going to be there standing by our side. And you're going to ask us the same question. Do we know who it is that's talking to us and is willing to give us that living water? Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.